What's going on, everybody? This is Chris back again with the Wildlife Command Center podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening. Today's episode is like a Chris Star Story Saturday. Oh, man. And it all encompasses one day, a single day, a proud day, a sore day, a red day. Oh, you know the scene. You know the scene. The riders of Rohan running into the uh, the Battle of Minas Tirith Whew. over that hillside. Man, best scene in the movie. Best scene in The Return of the King. Anyway, so uh, let's start from the beginning. Hey, hey, first off, no. Thank you guys for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I love doing this. I say, <laughs> I say that about every time, but I really like putting these together for you guys. And hopefully I can bring a little bit of joy in your life, maybe a smile or three. So it all started out today with this inspection of a gigantic data storage. I mean, I guess it's a warehouse. I guess it's a where it's more than a warehouse. It's this gigantic building. And we've done work with these guys before. I've gotten bats out of this humongous warehouse. The initial one that they called us out for, huge lift work, like we were on uh, gas-powered lifts. Well, diesel, I mean, technically, but gigantic man lifts. Cruising around that, myself and Beyonce, my technician at the time, and we got the bats out of this big structure. So they called us back for another structure that I went out and inspected today, a little bit bigger and newer and more intricate. Oof, goodness. The bat, there's definitely a colony there. And they had a bat get into what they call their vaults, vault one. And it's like, you know, it looks like a Bitcoin mining facility. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of those, but it's just a bunch of computers. Yeah, computers. Yeah, a whole gang of computers. I'm not the most computer literate. It took me long enough to get this thing going, (laughs) to get this podcast started. And I'm just running off a Mac. 2015, baby. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. That's when like the last of the certain type of like retina display was that you aren't paying like 14 arms and legs for and your left reproductive gland. So that's what I rock. 2015, early 2015. I don't remember. Anyway, so I'm inspecting this awesome facility and it's like straight up retinal scans, ID checking on every single doorway. It was kind of cool. Nothing different than the original one, but I just didn't um, delve into the depths of the original building that they called us out for. So I'm looking through the cages up at the ceiling to try and figure out how the bats were coming in. And up at the top of the ceiling, there's these gigantic exhaust fans, these gigantic exhaust units. And they open up and down. And I can see a little bit of light up there. And I'm like, oh, something's fishy. So I'm like, hey, boss, can you get me up to the roof? And he says, yes, sir, I can. Just need to clear it with security. We had to run it by security. They let us up onto the roof. And then we go up there. And these gigantic exhaust units, I mean, like they were as big as whole rooms. They were, there was 14 of them on top of this building. And kind of comical you know those pads, those intake fan pads, like the filters? <laughs> they had just like hundreds of those around each of them. Like I figured they would have something a little more, I don't know, unique. But no, they just stacked dozens and dozens of those like two foot by two foot filters. It was amazing. And like the slats, like the louvers 
of the exhaust themselves could open and close, obviously, like depending on the temperature of the structure below, of the air below. So on the other side of those filters, there's wire, right? And dude, it's like one inch by half inch diamonds. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. What's happening? It's getting cold. The bat is feeling that really nice, toasty, warm air. And it's like, oh, I'll just go in here and hang out. And there's lots of bats in this area. So they're just moving right in. You know what I mean? And so what I needed to do is figure out how to get them out of the exterior of the structure, which is where the actual colony dwells. And then they leave every night. And so what's happening is like as they're returning or as they're getting cold, they're feeling that hot air being exhausted by those units. And they're just like, hey, we'll just slip right in here because it's super easy. So that was step one of the day. Step three, perhaps? Let's see. Let's recount the day. So I, I had many, many, many appointments. Oh gosh, I caught a freaking cat. I caught a freaking cat on top of a roof. This cat had to climb up on top of this house to get into the raccoon trap that I had set. Oh my gosh, what a mess. And then... I had an inspection on this legitimate mansion that had roof rats in it. They just moved in three weeks earlier and they were they were doing an attic inspection and they found a, a rat, a dead rat in a trap that was a mummy and maybe a month or two months old, you know, pretty f- decently new rat. And it was a big one. It was a thicky. If you're a reptile keeper, or you know, if you fed any kind of frozen thawed rats in your life, this was an extra large, not quite a jumbo. <laughs> Only in New York, and the do rats get to true jumbo sizes in the wild, but this was absolutely an extra large, if not double XL. You know what I'm saying? So they called me out. They had Spanish tile roof, oh, just the worst, the worst as far as roof rats are concerned. It's so easy for them to get in. Bonkers, yeah. Anyway, inspected that, gave them a price, and I'll hear from them here in the next day or so. Then I needed to go (laughs) pick up the skunk I caught the night before. No big deal. I've caught hundreds of skunks, not thousands over the last decade. Little did I know this was the skunk of skunks. He was at least an archbishop of skunks, if not a duke. Big. Not the biggest. I've dealt with bigger. But probably in the 90th percentile of how large he was. Goodness gracious. And unfortunately, it was not in a skunk-specific trap. It was in what we call a Comstock, which is a type of trap. It's a a man named Jimothy Comstock. (laughs) Jim Comstock, he's created some pretty awesome traps, if I'm being honest. And uh, they're so good for positive control. It's just like, sometimes you forget. It's like, dude, like chill. Maybe don't set it for skunks. Anyway, this dude was so angry. I have never been close to a skunk that sprayed more with as much volume as he had in my life. Oh my gosh, man. It was just like a Tommy gun. And it was legitimately like, oh my gosh, you could hear it like a spritzer bottle. So much 
disgusting smelly liquids. And when you're that close to a skunk, it's not like, ooh, skunk smell. No, it's like truly acrid ammonia stings the nostrils and smells like pure gasoline. It is absolutely rough. Oh my gosh. And there was a cover on the trap. There's (laughs) probably... He probably sprayed 10 times total in maybe a hundred yard stretch from like the back of this house to, oh, I should have just pulled around. There was a freaking, anyway, the house is a new construction. And so like not everything's finished. He sprayed probably 10 times on the way from this back shed up to getting inside the truck. It was just an absolute nightmare. And I have some important things going on in the next couple of days, which will have already happened. By the time you're hearing this. So it's just like, I don't want to freaking smell like a skunk. <sighs> dumb. Very dumb. What you do, you let it sit. You let it marinate. outside, <laughs> Marinate with the wild air of the land. Let it sit outside for a while and just let it diffuse, basically. And if you have a sunny area, put it in the sun. Put whatever gets sprayed in the sun. If you get a dog that gets sprayed, set the dog in the sun. Not really, you know, give the dog a bath, but leave it outside and let it sleep in the cold night. Now, the main thing is that the sun like breaks down the chemical, the UV, the ultraviolet radiation breaks down the chemical bonds of the skunk spray itself. It helps, you know, if you have something you can set outside like shoes or a dog. So, oh man. And now it's now like, okay, so now my truck's going to smell for a couple days and It's just rough. Okay, so I did not physically get sprayed, but it's so strong and it just like aerosols. And then once it aerosols, it clings to anything around it. You know what I mean? So I didn't have to get hit by a direct shot to still smell like weasel butt juice for the next three days minimum. I don't know. I think I am physically good now, like my own person. I've showered. I don't smell anything. My dogs still like me. Do you still like me? Hmm? What do you think? Do I stink? Anyway, oof. Okie dokie then. On to the next thing. So that was like the shite show crappy part of the day. Now, round two, second half. I mean, this is already in the afternoon, but second half. Oh, and I got a freaking bitchin', bitchin' workout in this morning. Mmm. Did some arms and then some biceps, buys for the guys or, you know, curls for the girls as I prefer to say. (laughs) But now I ironically say buys for the guys all the time. Buys for the guys. Where did I hear that from? Oh, it was this old uh, Matt Best video. My gosh, like 10 years ago when I was still in the military. Buys for the guys. Dang, he's been around that long. Sheesh, that's wild. So... Onto the second half of the day, did a little bit of this, did a little bit of that, and then I went to do some falconry. Now, this is the cool stuff, right? So, Daniel, Damnatious Daniel, Double Brown, Damnatious Daniel, Bane of the Black Leg, my male Jack Merlin, whatever you want to call him, he has many, he is known by many names. We head out. He's about a gram heavy. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. It's not a lot. I mean, I would prefer to have him right about 129, if I'm being honest. And so he was 131. He was 132 yesterday. He was kind of a little turd. So 
I didn't feed him as much. And then again today, you know, I want him, I want him down two grams from what he was today. So again, I slowly cut, not slowly cut. I just reduced the amount of weight that he ate. I'm only flying him once a day this year. Flew him twice a day last year. Uh, just because I had I had more time and I was like really getting out there. I had something to prove. I could do this. I can freaking do it. And I did it. I caught hella birds. Just insane. I was incredibly successful. So I, and I, I'm completely happy with his performance. So I don't really have anything to prove to myself or anybody else this year. I did it. I kicked major patootie. Booty patootie, thick booty Judy patootie last year. So I'm like, I'm good. You know, take a break, just fly once a day. I have more time to work. I have more time to devote to this podcast, just other interests in my life. Humans, those are important. Don't forget, Falconers, that humans are freaking important. I guess it's a lot of us, us youngins who are just like throwing ourselves wholeheartedly into these tasks. I know I sure did. A lot of my relationships suffered just because of how gung-ho I was about falconry. I thought it was everything. It's not. Life is not completely about one aspect. You know, I mean, it goes against what I've like indoctrinating myself to think because those that perform at the highest levels, that's all they do, that they're just completely obsessed with one thing in their life. And I don't know. Maybe you just have to be in maybe you just have to be an outlier or maybe I'm not an outlier. I don't know. I for, here's the phrase. I've forgotten more about falconry than most people will ever know, even falconers. But at great cost. You know, Thanos's daughter asked me what did it cost? And I had to respond to her everything. It's rough, you know? It's rough when you put too much effort into one specific thing and you're hyper aware and hyper focused on that. There is no balance. And I feel like to be truly satisfied in life, you have to be balanced. You know, I once heard Mike McDermott say that he's never met a great falconer that was also a great father. And I don't know if I have either. You know, I'm sure there's a few. I truly am sure there's a few, but I feel like those are just like spectacular over the top humans. You know what I mean? And I'm talking truly great at both. Like amazing relationships with their kids. I don't have any kids right now. That's not true. I have two. They have hair, uh, fur, excuse me. And they're both sitting right next to me. One's sleeping on my lap and one's at my left side. But how about a great, great, truly great husband? Huh? And a great falconer. I don't know. In my mind, I have been, and can be if I want to, a great falconer already. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm good on it for a while now. You know what I mean? I would like to start teaching people what I've learned. And so, you know, eventually I'm going to start a super, super in-depth podcast on falconry. Very granular, in the weeds, research about many, many deep aspects of falconry in its entirety. And it's going to be many, many, many parts. You know, I'm going to have in-depth species profiles on every single species eventually down the line. You know, there's a few more things that need to happen before I can start doing that. 
this podcast needs to be self-sustaining and snowballing, you know, consistently growing. I need to have it down. I need to have my routines down. I need to have a legitimate studio, which I don't have. I'm just doing this in my living room before I can do that other podcast. So in due time, no rush, no rush. I have my entire life ahead of me. Gets hit by a car tomorrow. What would my dogs do? I don't know. Who knows? Hopefully you guys will go to Hunters, okay? I just want you guys to go to Falconers. Anyway, on to the evening flight. On to the, <laughs> on to the falconry that was held today. Holy jamoli. So, again, Daniel's 131. I'm like, okay, not great. Better than yesterday. And the weather is better than yesterday. Yesterday was dreary, really dark all day just because of the cloud cover. It was very, very thick and misty, like the Cerulean gym leader. Not great flying weather because they're like, eh, I'm wet. You know, not the best. Anyway, so we get out there. I get out to my fields. I pull out to the back of these um, portions where the flocks of the birds that I fly are usually foraging. And I get them squared away. Find the birds. Yep, that's where they're at. You know, we get set up. I have a Goten with me today. I run them separately now. I run my uh, two Terriers separately, at least while I'm Merlin Hawking, because if you run them together, they tend to run too far ahead and get ahead of themselves and flush birds out of position. You know, the classic dog pack mentality, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, you know, they work off of each other and they hype each other up too much. So... Once every other day, when I was flying twice a day, I would run Videl in the morning because she's got a thicker coat and she can take the colder temperatures. And then Goten in the afternoon because he can, he has a shorter coat and can conversely take the, or no, inversely? I don't know. One of those two words. Take the <laughs> hotter temperatures of the afternoon. That's <laughs> where I'm at. It's still like cold, cold in the morning. And then you can wear a t shirt in the afternoon. Pretty decent temperature fluctuations here. So, you know, we get out there. Transmitter's popping. He gets squared away, taking forever to lift off. Anyway, takes off, launches off the fist, starts making his way up. We get a few flushes on some birds, a few swings and a misses. He'll He'll stoop down and then, you know, miss a bird and march his way back up. And then one time waited for this perfect position. And there's a decent wind. There's like a solid five mile an hour steady breeze, which is the best. You want the steady because he will use that to his advantage and use it to gain altitude more easily. Nothing like a good wind. Flying falcons on a windy day is the best. Not too much wind though. So this one stoop, he comes down and then audibly hits a bird. I I could hear, I could hear the pop. And then these freaking kestrels, kestrels, yes, you heard me right, come out of nowhere and they just start attacking him, mobbing him. God, it was a nightmare. So I didn't see the pair at first. It was just one and they just bum rushed him. Hey, hey, uh, I'm going to get you. And he's like, okay, whatever, screw you. I'm way faster than you. Then, so he made his way back up and then I guess, you know, this kestrel's just experienced at stealing and like pirating from other small birds because he came in behind him in low, I guess, like right out of his line of sight. 
and just bound right to him. And then they freaking like yelling at each other, helicopter down to the ground. That was a mess. That was part one. And then the other one came out of freaking nowhere, like John Cena, and then chased him over to this fence line. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. And I've got like the binos up and I'm looking and they're bouncing back and forth. So, and then, and then I see them land, land on a fence post and just waiting and waiting, and waiting, waiting for him to come back over. So I'll just make my way over there to see, okay, like these, oh, the day before a freaking either Peregrine or Prairie came in on him. Oddly enough, I couldn't tell. I, I know, right? Usually I can ID every bird species just like that, but it was too dark. It was too dreary. There just wasn't enough light. And the Peregrine or Prairie, it's, it's most likely a Peregrine where I'm at came in hot and ready like a little Caesars $5 pizza and almost smoked him and scared the bejesus at him and he didn't even want to fly the rest of the day. That sucked. But I go over there, like, all right, what are you doing, bud? Come on, let's get you back in the air. And I I guess I couldn't see it because there was like a slight burn between us. He's on the ground fighting and screaming with this thing. I'm like, shoot, shoot, shoot. I grab it, go down there because he can run faster than me. And I start charging towards the two of them. And then he passes me to go figure out what's going on. And that bumps the Kestrel. I'm like, holy smokes, dude. I think the thing that birds do, it's called crabbing. If one doesn't physically have a body part of the other, they'll basically just lock feet and kind of be in limbo with each other. And it's kind of a stalemate, especially between a Kestrel and a Merlin. Anyway, there's not actually a huge strength difference in wild birds between those two. They, they kind of, there's not a huge like size difference, I should say. Merlins, Merlins have longer bird catching feet, whereas Kestrels have like short, stubby little stupid toes for catching mice and holding on to freaking grasshoppers and fleas, little vermin. Just focus on eating voles. My bird didn't even catch the thing. He was, oh man, he was trying, so that pop, right? He popped this bird in the butt and then was going back for round two and this Kestrel came in and ruined the whole thing. So stupid. And there's a peregrine and freaking harriers that hang out in this field. It's dangerous. It's hard out here for a pimp, dude. I'm telling you. It's just because there's a good, there's good flocks of birds that live in these fields. And I mean, that's why they're there. That's can't even blame them, you know, but I go shake it off. Shake it off. I sing Taylor Swift to him, and he eventually kind of resets himself. And we head back over into the field. He starts making his way back up again, ringing up. Maybe one or two more flights in, he just smokes this bird. Awesome, scooped it up. And we're still kind of getting in the swing of things from last year. He's kind of he's getting his footing down. That's the main thing because. You know, when I had him in the wild, he was only a a few weeks or however long removed from an entire lifetime up until that point of having to catch his own game. Well, he took the whole summer off. And you know, like if you shot a bow or or shooting guns, if you haven't in a long time or any kind of athletic endeavor, if you're out of shape or out of practice, it takes a while to get back into it. And so he's having to get his footing down. He's already caught several birds, but they were kind of like gimmies. Ugh like freaking curb stomps, basically. <laughs> Red tailing, as I call it, because he'll just spearhead a bird right into the ground. It doesn't even count. It's like such kestrely, kestrelry. 
It's not acceptable. I can't, I will say that. But today, smoked it in the air. It was fantastic. He bumped a few times as I was trying to pick him up, but I can't blame him. He was already kind of nervous, so he wanted to get to a better vantage point to see all around him. But eventually, he picked up pretty nice, got him fed, went back home, and it was a great evening. Really happy about that, you know, especially with that earlier day that I had. Oh, my goodness. Ugh. This is one day, and I caught that cat, and I had to give a lady a stern talking to. Hey, don't let your cat outside. Oh, man. If you didn't post on next door, like, you would not have got this cat back. Straight up. I, I do not accept cats being in the wild. They're not supposed to be in the wild. So I do what I need to do, and I make sure that I protect our native flora and fauna, not flora, because cats don't eat flowers, just fauna. Anyway, <laughs> all righty, guys, that was my story. Whew. Chris Star Story Saturday. My goodness, it's been a long day. Thanks again for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Love the support. I'm glad that you guys are liking this. If you appreciate it on whatever service that you're listening to, could you leave me a review? And that would be awesome. And if an awesome five-star review, that would be sweet. And if you are listening on, well, anything, uh, go ahead and hit that follow button. Hit the subscribe button, depending on, depending on what service you're using. Spotify, it's follow. Apple, it's subscribe. Thanks again, guys, for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Starr. Have a great one, everybody. God bless. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus. Download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.